Follow him on Twitter because that's... Just in case you miss him. Just in case you miss him. Oaksy72 from the Georgetown News Graphic in Kentucky and bi-weekly Sun Journal columnist joins us here on the B-List Daily on the new 105 Sports, 105.5 and AM 1240 and AM 780. Welcome in, my friend. What's up, Yankee fan? I am... I just... You know what it's like when you've known something for so long... And everybody's I, I, like, I saw it kind of. I, I saw it unfolding last night with you, and, and that tweet was was so was so accurate. I mean, I, it'd be, it's it's anybody that's watched that team, I think, probably knew the knew the weak links, didn't they? <laughs> Don't yeah. we always know the weak links with our you, team, you whatever can... whatever team that may be? That's the... I. I'm just happy you guys have your own million dollar arm, ten cent head guy on your side. <laughs> Because to me, that that sort of provided, uh, you know, that balanced the series out in, in a good way for the Sox, obviously. And uh, Severino's your price for sure. He's he's just—it's not even just Severino. Like to me, and I, we were talking about this in the last segment. To me, what happened in this situation is really, really—it's such a just an absolute thing. It, it's the fact that they had a guy last year that they removed Girardi, and I was in favor of that because I thought Girardi was, to me, Girardi reminded me a little bit of John Farrell just in terms of, okay, you know, John Farrell wasn't a bad manager, but you could just tell this team had a little bit more talent and could probably be a little bit more special if they had the right guy, you know, in, in the dugout. And after the search, they concluded that Aaron Boone was that guy. And you know what? Aaron Boone said all the right things in all the interviews all went along. But then as the year progressed, the team started off sloppy, like little details, and it didn't improve. Even when they were winning, it didn't improve. They were winning in spite of a lot of the little things, like bullpen management, things like that. And it was the difference. And the difference to me this year, if you look up and down the rosters of both of these teams, I think everyone would agree that Mookie Betts is is the best player of the two teams. Okay, Aaron Judge not far behind. And then the rest of it, you can put them all in a bag and shake them all out, and I, I think you're going to end up with the with the same amount of things either way, depending on the talent up and down the rosters. Yankees will have better bullpen arms. Red Sox will have better starters. Closers are kind of a wash. The difference on this team right now is the managers. And the two managers in this situation are Alex Cora and Aaron Boone. And Aaron Boone is, well, now, let's see, it's, uh, it's two to one. So he is nine games worse than Alex Cora at this point, with basically the same amount of talent playing the same type of competition. Well, I, uh, and my comment was hiring him is is the is a more Steinbrenner mm-hmm. thing than Steinbrenner did in the last twenty years of his life. Steinbrenner kind of kind of was was laissez faire for him at the end. He kind of let Joe Torre do his thing for a long, 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 long time. And you know, hiring a guy who was basically a TV star to manage him, he, had, he hired him. He hired him from TV. He wasn't a guy that had been, you know, moving up the ladder managerially and had that sort of uh, that sort of acumen. He, he he hired a guy who was a Yankees personality to to try to. It's like it was almost like a statement. Whoever, whoever was responsible for bringing him on board was almost like a statement that we don't need, you know, it's almost Yankee arrogance to me. It's like we don't need a field manager guy. We just need a, a, a guy to handle both the, the glitz, the lights, the glamour, a uh, guy who can, he can smile a lot and, and be the, be the standard press conferences. Of the team. But, yeah, handle the press conferences. doesn't really have to do much. 
uh, much managing. And it's like, yeah, you, you, you kind of do <laughs> because, you know, you, you're in a division with Boston. You're in a, you're in an American league with, with Houston and, and Cleveland. And, and this is not, this is no joke. I mean, these are, these are some, that's a, that's kind of a, it's kind of a tough situation to put a rookie manager in. I mean, I, I think with, with at least with Cora, we kind of knew we kind of knew his uh, his upbringing in the game, you know, as far as far as preparing for that spot. And uh, I don't see that I don't see that same career path for Boone. So I think there was obvious obviously going to be a, a learning curve there, and I think you're seeing that play out. Talking with uh, Cal Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic in Kentucky, I was I was convinced yesterday whoever won Game Three is winning the series. I, series over tonight. In, in my eyes, I, I just I think Rick Porcello has this 2004 Derek Lowe feel about him right now. <laughs> I, he's you know he it just that he's that every. You're he, more confident in him than I am, he's, but he's, I mean I, I I'm so glad that uh, so glad we got some innings eaten up last night. Uh, didn't have to worry about the bullpen in that situation from a guy that you know really. I, you know, I didn't. I didn't picture being a real factor on the as a starter in the playoffs. So that's kind of like a bonus situation there. And uh, yeah, now you got to set up the way you want. Porcello, Knight, and worst case scenario, Sale, uh, Sale in Game Five. So uh, certainly that game reminiscent of the 2001 Game Six World Series situation. The Yankees bounced back to their credit and you know pushed Arizona to the limit in that in that Game Seven. So so maybe. Maybe they rally in Game Four and uh, and make and make something of it, but uh, certainly I'm not counting it over until it's over. Talk with Cal Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic. Yeah, we've seen this episode before, and and the Yankees did fall. Now last year, I give credit, the Yankees fell behind last year after a disastrous game in which Joe Girardi blew a replay challenge, and they came storming back and went to Game Seven of the ALCS. So you know this team has been down like this before. I just. I don't know. A guy whose post-game quote is, you just got to flush it, just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. <laughs> you just got to... See, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's just one-liners and, you know, how's he going to finesse it behind closed doors? That's going to be the that's gonna be the key here because uh, you could say that, but uh, your team's got to believe it and, and, and got to come out tonight and play another game. So, next next question. Um, just Just a big one here. Uh, if Cincinnati uh, ends up going to the playoffs this year, the Bengals, and then you know somehow they end up playing the Patriots, do you, are you going to try to finagle media stuff for that? You're going to follow them on the run. Uh, they're right on the I'm way. All, I'm going to finagle something. I mean, uh, yeah. And that game, that game, the way things are trending, you know, could be in Cincinnati. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, they're they're hosting the Raiders in December. We've obviously looked into that game for for a variety of reasons. That's not not that it will be significant for the Raiders at that point, but. Um, it may be significant for the Patriots in terms of uh, their playoff positioning, uh, home field wise. So, yeah. I mean, I think Cincinnati's got to get through Pittsburgh this week before we can really think about that. Though, I mean, I still think that division goes through Steelers one way or another, um, and 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 we'll find out. Obviously, obviously, we'll be able to say more on, in those terms after Sunday because if Cincinnati wins that game, they suddenly get a a pretty sizable league and what I think top to bottom is probably the strongest division in football. I mean, you're not going to see a team go 13-3 in that division. Uh, 11-5 will probably win it. But, uh, the AFC North is certainly uh, certainly trending in the right direction with the Browns being competitive and, and on the other three teams I think we're spoken for already. So. You, um, 
Yeah, what, what do you think? Do the Patriots have one more left in them? Do, should I believe in the Sony Michelle guy, or you know, or is this going to be a replay? Like, I need to know if I need to be amped up for this game on Sunday, or should I just be prepared, be prepared to be let down? Much like Game Three last night for the Yankees. Like that's what I'm. I don't think Sonny Michelle's the key to this game on Sunday. The key to this game is obviously how does this secondary, uh, which is which I'm still not sold on, how do they how do they handle uh, you know the most explosive offense in the AFC? I, you know, I, I think we can we can arguably say the Rams right now are the best offense in football, but the, you know, the Chiefs are certainly in that conversation. It was a tough spot last year playing them opening night. Now you've had a little time to to get settled into your season, but. Uh, you know, in the past, this is the game where we've counted the Patriots out, I think, and they found a way to, to, to get it done. So uh, I'm leaning Kansas City. I, I don't think this is a make-or-break game for the Patriots at all. That's getting back to what we said about divisions. I, I think I think ten, ten wins will certainly take the East. Uh, maybe not even. Maybe you don't even need that many. But to give yourself a feeling that you've got. You know something going forward into January. I think you have to you have to do better than that. I think you have to not compete with those three teams, but you need to compete with yourself at some point. But uh, so going three and three after this week wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But I think long term, it's a long term. It's a win you need to get, or at least be competitive to give yourself uh, an idea, or an illusion that you can compete in the AFC this year. Talking with Cal Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphicking. In Kentucky, the great state of Kentucky, by the way. The great Commonwealth. The great Commonwealth of Kentucky. The Kentucky Wildcats lost, right, this week? They did in overtime. And, you know, you want to talk about a fan base that uh, they were they were ready to celebrate something bigger. I mean, they hadn't, they hadn't been 5-0 and oh since, right. you know, since, since forever, 77, I think. Whoa. And uh, and they were they were looking at going six and zero and, and played well defensively in that game. Uh, Josh Allen uh, dominated that game defensively, but they've got the best best running back in America in, in their in their mind and probably in my mind in, in Benny Snell. And I think he touched the ball twelve thirteen times in that game. Never touched it in overtime. So I guess that's the big mystery here. Is I, you know yeah I know A and M was was loading up against him, but I think you got to got to give your bell cow at least one <laughs> one ring in overtime. So they're a little bit beside themselves about that. But I think Kentucky, a lot of, a lot of high hopes. I don't think they're going to beat Georgia, but I, I think 10-2 and two is in play for them and certainly uh, being in the New Year's Day Bowl or whatever the equivalent of a New Year's Day Bowl is now. Um, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll be a factor there. They're, they're a top 25 team. They've, they've earned that. Um, their wins over Florida and Mississippi State are looking better and better. I think Florida's in a, in a pretty good position to, to do some some damage now at five and one and Mississippi State beating Auburn kind of kind of makes those wins look good. So good start for UK. UK football is relevant. I mean, I don't think it's ever gonna. I think it's ever gonna replace basketball around here. I mean, you you, you know the the the, the, the line from. Uh, the, the water boy when he goes, ah, we suck again. I think that's kind of what the uh, <laughs> that's kind of what the philosophy was Saturday night when when they lost in overtime. But the reality of it is they don't. I think they got a pretty good shot to to have a have a banner season here for by their standards, which would be double digit wins and uh, you know, Louisville down. So they should draw. They should you know beat them like a drum. And you know really in really in their division, the only other remaining team is Georgia that they have to worry about. 
by the way, just want to let everybody know, couple, uh, a lot of folks are looking ahead to next week's game already uh, in terms of scheduling with the Patriots and the Bears because, as you know, we all want to relive Super Bowl twenty. Um, personally, we my, don't call it a rematch. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let us let us not. Like, still, my favorite, honestly, still my favorite Patriots Bears memory of all time was two years later. Doug yes. Flutie starts for the just Patriots. Was it 80, I think it was 80 yards to Irving Fryer on the first play from scrimmage of the game. 7 nothing Patriots, and they won 30-6. to six. That Because at, that, at that time, that really was payback. It was mm-hmm. close enough where it's like, wow, we're beating this team you know, that, that's, that's legit. And it, right. was, and it was Flutie on top of that. Yes, so, uh, who was discarded by them. Like, flung yeah. to the... And then, of course, they Raymond also, Berry discarded. I think that same year, they beat the Bengals, who went to the Super Bowl, too. And they yeah. beat them pretty severely yeah. at home right around that same time of year. So, uh, Well, they should have made the playoffs that, was, that year. Yeah, that was a team that, you know, certainly uh, certainly was mismanaged. Yeah, that was... that was They were Aaron <laughs> Boone. Shocked. Yeah, they were Raymond mm-hmm. Berry and his, his love affair for Ray, Tony Ray Lisa. was a nice guy. I mean, yeah. really, just super, super really nice, nice guy. guy. And pro- probably too nice. <laughs> yeah, you know that was that was the story there. Yeah. Tony Easton needs to get his job back after the injury. No, probably not. Probably, yeah, probably yeah. That was, Ray Ray Berry in two thousand one would have put Bledsoe back in to play the Rams. <laughs> hey. happened. You you know it. So <laughs> that that's that's the that's the line of demarcation in Patriot history, right? That's when I knew there was a new sheriff in town when, right. when Belichick didn't didn't give Bledsoe his job back. So I'm like, all right. They wouldn't have made it. You know what? They wouldn't have something here. They wouldn't have made it to the Super Bowl that year because honestly, he probably would have put Bledsoe in in Week Seven. I mean the 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 game that ended because what was it? They had to force Tampa had never won a game under thirty five degrees, and they had to go to overtime to beat them. And then the next week, they had to go to Denver on a Saturday. I don't want to say it was Christmas Eve, but it was kind of close to it. They had to go to Denver on a Saturday, and they ended up losing. And then Barry finally put uh, Flutie into the game after the, the offense was completely inept. Keep in mind, that was the year John Stevens won AFC Rookie of the Year. So it's not like they didn't have a running game or something like that. Um, and they finally put Flutie in when they were down by two scores, and there was no possible way they could come back. It was like, oh, that's great, Ray. That was nice. That was a nice little slap there. And then the next year, uh, they fell off the face of the earth, and then they were terrible for and, yeah, and then the next three years, four things, years. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was and that was pretty much that. That was that was the end of yeah, that Patriots era, much. really. You know, yeah. that that 86 to 88 sort of crew. That was it because 89 was was no great shakes. 90 wasn't any better. 91 was interesting at six and ten and uh, ten and six against the spread record, which was or nine and six and one against the spread. So that meant they had some close games. They beat the Oilers. That was, you know, the year they beat the Oilers early in 91. That was the only time I remember, like, big highlights from a Patriots game being shown during the primetime games because they showed the Greg McMurtry catch to win it. It was a miracle play. And then in 92, they kind of crashed back to earth. That might have been, that that era might have been, like, the lowest point as a Boston sports fan in my lifetime. Don't you think? The Celtics were clearly on the downslide. The Red Sox couldn't get out of their Mm -hmm. own way. Patriots, awful. You know, the Bruins were Bruins, were Bruins. a non-factor. Yeah. They they were they were in the playoffs and out in the first round. They they'd gone through their you know losing in the Stanley Cup Finals to Edmonton and then, and then they were they were on the downslide mm-hmm. at that point too. So, Ninety yeah, that, that was ninety-one, ninety-two. Yeah, I mean, that was that was an awful time. And then you only had what one more year of Bird and Reggie Lewis died and like. 
You know, All of it. Bird, Bird, Bird basically was done when Magic Money made bias. his announcement at that point. Yeah. And he, 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 was, he was not long for the world in terms of playing in the NBA. Uh, he, he, he knew he was done. And, yeah, and then, so, you know, obviously, uh, obviously they uh, cast their pearls with Reggie Lewis, and that didn't, didn't pan out tragically. So uh, it, was a, it was a tough time for, for just, just Boston sports in general. It was like, okay, when are we going to dig out of this? And, and Bledsoe was certainly kind of the first step back. And we'll always owe him that for sure. Just think he had to pick between Bledsoe and Rick Meyer. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, and, and, and years later, you had Manning and Leaf, right? I mean, similar situations. Uh, but but Bledsoe Meyer was the first one there, where where you, you know it was. Uh, and if they, imagine if they had picked Meyer, uh, where where would the Patriots have? Well, been and nobody Meyer? really heard of Bledsoe. He played for what was it, Washington, Washington State? State? Well, and, that's just it because nothing happens if it's yeah. on the East Coast, right? I mean, yeah. a lot of his games are being played at no, ten thirty right. night. I'm sure we all heard of Meyer though. Notre Dame, you know, yeah. Oh. Unbelievable! It was the whole. He was the next Joe Montana, Rick Meyer, right? Except everyone forgets that Montana was a third rounder. You know. Well, was, remember when? Remember when? Like Ron Paulus was going to be the. Oh, yeah. oh my God! <laughs> yes. He threw five touchdowns against Northwestern. Yeah, there you go. Back when Northwestern, did, when Fitzgerald, I don't even think played for them yet. You know what I mean? That was when he did. Speaking, that. Of, speaking of that, college football. I mean, is it, is it basically down to five teams for four spots now? I mean, am, am I being? Is it too early to think about? It? I mean, I, I think those those are really the only legitimate teams at this point to get into the playoffs. Or, or, uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Yep, I, I think I, that's I, it. I, I, not I, be I, mid- I don't see anybody else being uh, a threat. Even if a couple of those teams lose, I think they're... Let's they're put it this way. There aren't going to be any mid-majors. Yeah, you're not... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I thank you for playing UCF, which may lose this week at Memphis. That's a tough game for them. It's but, right. I, you know, they, they can go 13-0 and again, and they're not... Sorry, you can buy all the rings yeah. you want. Thank you very much. Thank you for playing. <laughs> Man, I can't yeah. even I can't even begin to think about that. But you know, it as a Notre Dame guy, and who's still trying to figure out why Notre Dame didn't win the national title in '93. Except I remember that they were bound to determine to give Bobby Bowden a national title that year, so they oh, gave it to him. Absolutely. And I mean, they gave it to him. Not only did they get him a spot in the Orange Bowl, but they also gave him the game. You know, with the. Pretty. Nebra- well gift wrapped. Think yeah. about it. Nebraska, like William Floyd, you know, gets tackled oh, at the two. That was Touchdown. Painful, that game. <laughs> Touchdown. Close enough. Close Nebraska- enough. Like think checkers. of that Nebraska team. My, my friend brought this up the other day in a group chat because, yes, we just randomly start talking about early 90s college football because we get so disgusted <laughs> with everything else going on in the world. He's like, do you realize that that Nebraska team was one game away from sweeping all three Florida schools the, like the next the next three years through the whole thing if they just beat Florida State because they beat Miami and they beat Florida like I mean that's that's quite an accomplishment for a school that couldn't beat any of those teams in the mid eighties. It was when you think about it because I mean, that was that was their that was their Achilles heel in the eighties yeah. you know and and you know, Osborne definitely adapted a little bit I mean I think he he figured out you got to dance with the one who brought you. <laughs> you know, it, if he if he just stuck to his guns in that Miami game a little bit, I, I think they got down early and panicked. But uh, in that, that Orange Bowl in, in eighty three, eighty four. But uh, yeah, I think I think he he grew as a coach, and, and uh, yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting turnaround or an interesting way to look at it. That, that they they definitely hand, definitely had the number of those schools in the nineties. Tommy Frazier had a lot to do with that. I think he was. Uh, 
he was the Turner Gill of that decade, and uh, that's why I say I think he he, he adapted because he just he, he turned it over to him and said get it done, you know. And he, he they they had some good they had some good athletes around him too. But. Cal Oaks, you can catch him in the Sun Journal every other week. Make sure you catch his column this week talking about how. You know, things we've done in the Red Sox Patriots here. Boy, panic. I really wish Twitter had been around during the Raymond Barry era. Like, I really, truly, I like, especially the Doug Flutie. We always talk about that. So that, but, yeah, even farther back. I mean, can you imagine the 80s? Can you imagine uh, the Red Sox Angels series, you know, 86, you know, the World Series of the Mets, uh, the, the Patriots Bears Super Bowl. I mean, just that whole Patriots run that year. Can you imagine? You know, when was the, the the Raiders the incident with the, the Sullivans and, and <laughs> at the Coliseum or wherever wherever that game was with the Raiders uh, that year? I mean, it would have been an exciting would have been an exciting time to have social media back then. I also wish it was there when uh, Ken Stabler got roughed up by Sugar Bear Hamilton '76. But, yeah, you know. and Russ Francis yeah. got mugged and no call. And uh, see, I don't know, know about the Russ Francis thing. '78 was the Bucky Den home run. I mean, the, the list goes on. Nobody ever remembers all those old Patriots ones because nobody became a Patriots fan until 2001. Because all the kids well, I went to school I, with, and that's the truth. A lot yeah. there are a lot of pe- people that weren't. I mean, and that's again, that's part of it. I think that '90s era. And, a lot of people checked out on a, on a lot of things until I mean even the Red Sox were not really relevant until Nomar huh. and, and, and you know and, and right around in Pedro in '99 and and that team uh, that team made it fun to watch them again. So, yeah. Those were the days. All right. <laughs> Talk to you later, my friend. Talk to you next week. All right, man. You got take care. Thank you. That's Cal Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic in Kentucky his, and Sun Journal every other week here on the Beale Daily Cross Radio Network. His article.